everyone, and welcome to the Homicide Homegirls podcast, a true crime podcast examining the true crime cases that fascinate and intrigue us. I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda. Thanks Thanks for for joining us. us. We can't wait to share the details of this wild episode with you. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, guys. Happy Wednesday. Uh, The day has finally come. What day, you ask? The day that Arielle and I recording in the same room and we could not be more excited right for sure Um, the past three months have been extremely trying to say the least (laughs) yeah especially for the podcast and more specifically and basically everything yeah garbage fire (laughs) yeah um recording remotely was not ideal but we didn't want to neglect our listeners from the new true crime content right so we tried our best to turn lemons into lemonade yes and we do realize that the quality of our podcast had deteriorated det- you know what i mean deteriorated that yes yeah. but don't fret the homegirls are back at it praise jesus yeah i can like see you and you know it's not like it's face- real <laughs> facetime's not lagging yeah it's real <laughs> it's real so, today's case is coming at you from San Clemente, California, hmm. and y'all better buckle up for this one because it is a jaw-dropper for sure. Hmm. And today's episode is going to be the murder of Linda Curry. Ooh, I haven't heard of this one. So, Linda Curry, whose maiden name was either Kincaid or Kilgore, I was pretty sold on Kincaid, and then I came across her, her obituary, and it said Kilgore, so I don't know. I'm pretty certain that she was never married before mm-hmm. this has been Curry. Well, I would probably go with her obituary. I would think that'd be right. right but, but, like, multiple sources said Kincaid, so I, Kincaid, so, but I've seen both, yeah. you know, and anyway, so Linda Curry was employed by a nuclear power plant in Southern California. Um, she was a community outreach communicator in the emergency preparedness section of the plant. Shout out. Fire services fall under emergency preparedness. Um, if y'all didn't know, like, Ariel and I are pretty much trying to hurry up and record this due to a tropical storm. Oh, yeah. That's bearing down on us. Yeah. So, it's currently 1 a.m. So, in 1989, at the age of 45, okay, so she'd never been married, she met Paul Curry. Shout out. Who was... That's gonna be you. Holla or never. <laughs> um, Paul was 32, and he was a nuclear engineer. So, there was Ooh, a big a age gap. Yeah. Like, that, oh, that makes the hairs on my neck stand up right now, because I just, like, red flag. Like, oh. Why? Like, oh, just a big age. Like, woman. what is your Motive. your hidden agenda? Like, I just, I don't know. I don't get, I just, I just expect the worst. Mm-hmm. So, Paul had been hired to train engineers. And he was described as extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. People often called him a genius. And so, they worked together? Yeah. That's how they met. Yeah, you're not supposed to eat where you bleep. Yeah. So, anyways... I mean, they probably didn't work, like, super close. Yeah. But but nonetheless. Um, But Paul was a two-time Jeopardy champ. Oh, wow. Where he won approximately $27,000. 
That doesn't seem like a lot. No, like, are you smart or not? <laughs> what is no? <laughs> oh my god. So, that is Jeopardy, right? Yeah. Okay, god. Paul knew he was smart and he often playfully bragged about it and he also boasted that he was a member of Mensa. Like, that's not a good look. Like, I didn't know what Mensa was. Not Mensa. It's not a good oh, look yeah. to, to brag. They said it was playful, but like, mm, nah, fam. Right. Like, just be just humble. Stop. Sit down. Yes. So, according to Mensa.org, the word Mensa means table in Latin. Hmm. And it's basically a round table society where race, color, creed, national origin, age, politics, and educational or social background is irrelevant. Hmm. So which it should be. Yeah, all together. In all things. Um so in this context, what does creed mean? Like is that like your like your personal mantra? Is that what a creed is? I think Yeah. Okay. Not the band creed. No, right? no, no. <laughs> um that's verbatim from their website. But okay. so it's basically a high IQ society for bright people. Hmm. Like why? But the society welcomes people whose IQ is in the top 2% of the population. Hmm. If you'd ask my husband, he belongs in Mensa, but he doesn't. Girl, bye. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he, he would tell you that, oh, I could probably get into Mensa. Then why aren't you? Well, why don't you submit a, they can test you. It's free. <laughs> well, I lie. I don't even know if it's free. I did read it, but I don't remember. So, after a few day, a few years of dating... Did you say after a few days of dating? I was That's mixing, extreme. I, was, <laughs> I mean, I was mixing years in dating. So, after I a mean, few years of dating... Yeah. I mean, no judgment. Paul, Paul and Linda decided to get married on September 12th, 1992 in Vegas. Uh, that definitely will be me. <laughs> At the time of their marriage, Linda was 48 and Paul was 35. Paul was extremely loving, always took care of her. He would prepare her meals, and they often included making specialty homemade salad dressing. Who does that? And every night he would draw her a bath. Hmm. I'm sorry, 35-year-old, 48-year-old? Yeah. I Sketch. Feel like, Sketch. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just part of our generation that, like, we're, well, like, that we're programmed to think... Like, okay, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Like, that there are ulterior motives. And I don't know, maybe there are some people who are just nice out there like that and want to do things for, yeah. for you know, their women. Before their marriage, Linda didn't have very good luck in her dating life. Same, sis. I was about to say, also you. <laughs> so, hopefully this is not indicative of how my life is going to turn out. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. Um, I need to stop comparing her to you because she is the subject of our episode. Yeah. So, when she met Paul, he seemed to be her Prince Charming, and I think that she was just, like, eager to seal the deal. Right. I mean, I mean she 45 was, years of, as a single woman. Yeah, like, um, I know you didn't watch Sex and the City, but there's, like, one of my favorite quotes from the show is, Charlotte is, like, upset because, like, she just went through another breakup, and she's, like, crying, and she's like, I've been dating since I was 15. Where is he? <laughs> So I was like, that was her. He doesn't exist, sis. <laughs> he, he doesn't. She finds she finds her her guy though, so Charlotte did. Oh yeah. Not Linda. No. 
So poor thing. Between Bless her heart. Paul and Linda, they earned a combined salary of about one hundred forty thousand dollars a year, which was a lot of money in the early nineties. Girl, that's a lot of money now. Exactly. So like, in the nineties, it's like yeah. Yeah, like with my little boombox, like, you know what I'm what? saying? Like a little CD player, like okay. that was expensive. Right. But imagine, you know what I'm saying? My parents didn't make one hundred forty thousand a year. Right. So Linda noticed that there wasn't a lot of money in their bank account, which didn't make a whole lot of sense considering their hefty salaries. And there was nothing to show for their lack of funds either. Like there was no tan, no new tangible assets. Like you wasn't going. Like out he wasn't buying, splurging. Like a, yeah, like find a jet ski or a boat right. or something. Right. And it was discovered that Paul hadn't been completely transparent about his past. Here's your bouquet of red flags. Yeah, cornucopia. <laughs> Um, turns out that Paul had previously been married twice and Say had what? three kids from those marriages. Wait, he's 35 Five. and he had already been married twice and divorced twice? Yeah. You're just stacking those flags at this point. He was not wasting no time. And two kids. No, three, three kids. kids. Three two kids marriages. from two marriages. He also filed bankruptcy in 1988. Wait, when did they get married? 89. No, 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 I'm sorry. They met in 89. They got married in 92. Mm, sis, just do your, like, do some research. I mean, it was the 90s. Nowadays, I got Joe Adder. I got everything. That's do true. not underestimate a homegirl. Okay, in the 90s, you could have hired a cop. Hey, run the background check on this person. I like that. That's our new tagline. Do not underestimate a homegirl. <laughs> Merch item. So, turns out he was using those air quotes, missing funds to support those families, and Linda had no idea. Yikes. Now, I did... Okay, like, okay, good on him for still, like, supporting his kids. But, like, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. True. So, wait, was he using, like, her money to support his kids, too? Probably. I mean, I guess if they had joint checking. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure the words joint checking. So, only one month after getting married, Paul mentioned obtaining a life insurance policy on Linda. What? Like, to her, he mentioned it. After a month? After a month. We've been married for six years, and I still don't have a life insurance policy on my husband. But Linda already had several policies in her name, totaling almost a million dollars. Like, I... Who, who was the beneficiaries, though? Him? Uh-uh. Oh. Her sister. Hmm. Paul knew that those policies existed. He even wanted her to change all of her bank accounts and credit cards over to his name and make him the beneficiary of all her life insurance policies. And in addition... He gonna kill you! In addition to all of those red flags, he had extremely high credit card bills, but those bills weren't specific. I don't know, like... Yeah. I mean, if he filed bankruptcy, doesn't that, like, kind of wash it all away? I don't know how that works. It depends what chapter you find. Right. There's multiple different chapters. Um, but usually if debt is your issue, like... Yeah, they'll forgive your debt, but then a lot of times if you file bankruptcy, like, it's hard to get a credit card again because your credit is, like, completely... Exactly, so I don't... Your credit is, like, completely ruined for, like, I think it's seven years or something like that. Unless he's using hers or they have a Maybe, joint one. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he put her name, like, is with his... Co-sign? On a credit card. Or, like, they got, like, a joint credit card or something. Yeah. Like, and he's, he, like, an authorized user or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Probably. But 
regardless, exactly what was he spending his money on? Other, like, who knows? I mean, I'm pretty sure you can't pay child support with a credit card. No, you can't, so. Well, if he was using all their, like, liquid funds, yeah. like, to pay child support, he might have been just using the credit card for, like, other things that he could use the credit, like, bills that you actually can pay yeah. on a credit card. But, like, you can't put, like, your mortgage on a credit card. Or, like, a car note, like, that has to be paid, you know, out of With your, real monies. <laughs> with real monies, right. Like, not Monopoly money. Um, so, Linda often expressed that there was no passion in the marriage and that Paul was never interested in sex. And to me, that makes me think, like, 35-year-old, 48-year-old. Red, red like, flag, like, he's 35. Like, men... Like, that's their prime? Yeah. And, like, is it because she's, old, like, 13 years older than him? Like, was he not attracted to her? Did he not want to have sex with someone that much older than him? Then, yeah. No. Why are you married? Exactly. Why'd you marry her? So, Linda's friends and family often begged her to leave him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Linda's friends, Bill Sandretto, whom she previously dated on and off for eight years, was a life insurance salesman. Sandretto convinced Linda to change her beneficiary from her husband to her sister. Oh. It was reported that Linda and Bill didn't work out because he didn't want to get married, mm-hmm. and they still remain good friends. Well, that's good. Yeah, and it was clear that she really did want to get married. Yeah. So, you know, and that's one thing that, like, that's one of those things you that, like, you have agreeance. to talk about. Yeah. Like, on, not, I don't want to say, like, a first date, but, like, you know, when you're getting to know somebody, like, that's one of the big things, like, do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Would you ever leave the state that we're living in right uh-huh. now, like to move for a job or whether it's you know? Like, ask the hard questions. Yeah, people don't do that. Mm-mm. And then your marriage is mighty for three years, and you find out maybe I don't really want kids. Or maybe, and you're like, or they have a whole other life, <laughs> whole another family with three kids and a golden retriever. Yeah. So about six months after they got married, around the summer of 1993. Linda started having some health problems, and she became gravely ill. I mean, I know she's older than him, but she's still not, like... No, she was really healthy. Super old. She's really healthy. And Linda was vomiting. She was having gastrointestinal problems, and she had gone into organ failure. Organ failure? Like, she was sick, sick. Dang. And her condition landed her at Samaritan Hospital for 21 days. Um... She even had a stroke and nearly died. Oh, my God. And they had her hooked up to IV for hydration. And they ran all kind of tests, and, like, the doctors could they not couldn't figure, figure it out. out. Like, it was, was a wrong. complete mis- mystery, like. And those are the worst. Like, when you're trying to tell the doctor, like, or they obviously know something's wrong, but they can't figure it out. Like, that's frustrating. hmm And terrifying. Yeah. she. I mean, she was bad off. Like, her friends, like, described her as, like, like, really skinny. Like, I mean, she was thin to begin with, but, like, She'd sickly yeah. skinny, you know? But during her hospital stay, Linda's nurse, Sherry Bundy, noticed something wasn't right with her IV bag. There was an overhead light just above the IV bag, which aided Nurse Sherry in noticing that the liquid in Linda's IV bag was cloudy. What? So, the IV bag was sent to the lab to be tested, and the incident was reported to the police. It was determined that her ivy bag had been tainted with lidocaine. Oh, my God. Yes. Why would you... Like, what's the purpose of that? Like, to put it in an IV? Is that, like, a painkiller? It's a painkiller. No, lidocaine yeah. is what they put in your mouth when you have dental work. Mm-hmm. So, it like, like, I guess it's a nerve. 
thing. Like a nerve block? But like... Why would you put that in somebody's veins? veins? Yeah. yeah. Like, what would that do? I don't know what it would do, but... I mean, obviously How does good. one obtain lidocaine? <laughs> so, the authorities interviewed Linda while she was in the hospital, and oh they God. asked her if she thinks someone would want to poison her. She stated that if someone wanted to poison her, it would be Paul. Like her husband. Her husband, and that his motive would be money. Oh, my God. But she didn't want to believe it. Like, I guess she was in denial. Like, she was telling him that if it was anybody, it would be him, but like, he wouldn't do that. Like, like that is your best bet, but, but it, it, but it wasn't him. Yeah. yeah. And she told the investigating officer that Paul seemed to be sneaky, dishonest, and very interested in her money. Mm. And she also stated that coming into their marriage, Paul didn't have anything. However, Linda had a very nice, large house Hmm. uh nice car jewelry and even furs like fur coats and stuff and even after noticing all like she addressed all of these red flags about him she still looked at this so-called great things about him like Mm -hmm. she told police that he treated her kindly and appeared to be a nice person she openly weighed the pros and cons and even admitted that there was more bad than good but she stated that him being a nice person sort of voided out all those bad qualities and ultimately she decided to stay so that was the summer of 93 in december of 93 so like not even six months later linda was re-hospitalized this time paul brought her to a different hospital i think it was the first one was samaritan Samaritan. and this one's mission hospital but why why would you bring her to a different hospital i thought you'd never ask so, she had the same symptoms as right. before. Right, because, it, well, if the, to me, if there's nothing, like, nefarious going on, if your wife gets sick with the same symptoms, you should bring her to the same hospital. Uh, I mean, I guess one would argue, like, they didn't help her last time. Yeah, like, they didn't like, figure if, out what it was yeah, last time. I guess, I guess so, but, I mean, they're also familiar with her history. history. Mm-hmm. Linda's IV bag had been tampered with yet again. At a new hospital. The, the same se- thing? The, the se- not quite, the second time. But the nurses at this hospital noticed that shortly after Paul left the hospital, an alarm went off in Linda's room. What? And the tubing on the IV bag appeared to have been damaged by some kind of tool, and there was fluid pouring out of her IV bag. So, like, somebody basically cut it, so, like, she's and, not getting her... And one out. of the connections to her IV bag was broken. Oh, my God. A sign was then placed on her door stating that her husband, Paul Curry, was not allowed in her room unaccompanied. Oh, wow. Like, what an eye-opener. Yeah. Well, it should have been. Right. So police were notified again, and again they audio-taped their interview. Mm-hmm. And just just like they did the first one. Um, during the second hospital stay, mm-hmm. her friend, Mary Siebold, went to her house and noticed that on top of the chest of drawers in Linda's bedroom, there were papers laid out. Mm-hmm. And she quickly realized that those papers were life insurance policy papers. And they're like laid out like somebody was looking at them. Yes. And like like I said, she has multiple, I think she had like four or five policies. Mm-hmm. Totally a million dollars. Like, you know, like, you know when like official, you know what official document like paperwork looks like. Right. You just don't have that sh- stuff laid out yeah like that has like 
personal identifying like, personal identifying information or like social like you keep that, that in a safe or a file or a oh, cabinet or something yeah, you don't or a you fire just, box you you might as well put it in a frame if you're gonna have it on top of your dresser exactly so Mary asked Linda if she had laid those papers out and she answered no on well, did she like get better so she was able to go home after that yes okay she recovered again mm-hmm okay yeah it's like like this mystery illness yes still tests nothing like hmm weird but it's weird because like you want to think you'd think she'd like I don't know I'll get into it later but like she starts getting better and then like when she's home she gets worse but like the tampered IV bags are like mm-hmm. almost like a ploy to like make her not get better mm-hmm. while she was in the hospital Right. So on June 9th, 1994, at 7.17 a.m. So like six months mm-hmm. later. Yeah, after the second hospital stay. Yeah. So it was like every six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda's friend Mary received an email from Paul stating that Linda was really sick again. The subject line read, quote, a favor please, dot, 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 end quote. This was the first time that Mary had ever received an email from Paul. Yeah, that would have been like alarm bells going off. I marked it as spam. Right, like like if my husband were to email you, you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. So the email reads, quote, Mary, I know you haven't spoken to Linda in a while, but I would like your help in convincing her to slow down and not let this job of hers further impact her health. I'm convinced that whatever is wrong with her is being aggravated by her stress and tension caused by 12-plus-hour days and weekend meetings, etc. Hmm. Lately, she's been weak, wobbly at night, stumbling up and downstairs and mumbling incomprehensible stuff in her sleep about work and projects and meetings. While walking into work last week, someone behind her said that she looked like the example from his fitness for duty class he'd just taken. She looked drunk since she was weaving when she walked. She's supposed to go to Scripps at the end of the month. Could you help me talk some sense into her? She knows something's wrong. She isn't saying, quote, there's nothing wrong with me, end quote, but she won't stay home from work. Last night was the straw that broke the camel's back. She reminded me that she wants to be laid to rest by her mom and dad in Newport. And Mm. would I promise to do that? This is very difficult for me to talk about to you, but I think I need to call in every available resource to ensure she's okay. She loves you so much and maybe she'll listen to you. I've said the same thing to her so many times that I don't think she knows I'm serious when I tell her how important it is. Thanks, Paul. End quote. Hmm. And just for reference, according to a quick Google search, um, Scripps is just a healthcare facility. Oh, so like, like she had like, like specialist they have, they have like urgent cares, emergency rooms, health clinics. Oh. Um, so maybe she had like a specialist appointment or something yeah. or follow up. Or like test work or tell me, what's it, is that what it's called? Test work? What? Blood like, work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood, blood work. work. <laughs> like, lab work is what, like, what was you, were you trying to say lab work? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's That's like a really odd email. Not like okay. So from everything I've watched and read, her friends and family was not were not a fan of him. Right. So like, it's like why did he? And he feel probably the need? did he know that. I'm sure. Was he aware of that? I'm sure. Yeah. But like what? Like, I'm sorry. All of a sudden, out of the blue. Like, like you want to be cordial and yeah. Reach out, yeah. Yeah, it'd be different if like they were like cool you know and yeah yeah 
weird. I mean, it was the 90s, so, like, text messages weren't a thing. Yeah. You know, so, like, you could, like, I'm sure, like, if something happened. Like, I mean, I talked to your husband, so, like, it wouldn't be weird to get a, a text message from him. Right. But if he sent me an email, I'd be like, dude, what the hell? Right. So, after Mary received that email, things took a turn for the worst. What? Later that evening, Paul Curry phoned 911 and reported that his wife, Linda, was not conscious and emergency services were needed. <gasps> oh, my God. When medical personnel arrived on scene, they discovered Linda laying next to a pool of vomit. Hmm. Now, I, in, I've read different accounts. Some say the bathroom floor. Some said she was in bed. So, I, I just excluded that. But... Um, she had no pulse and was not breathing. Oh, wow. They attempted to administer life-saving me- measures and transported her to Samaritan Hospital, which is the first, the first one she went one. to. She was pronounced dead in the early morning hours of June 10th, 1994, 26 years ago today. As of this episode date. Mm-hmm. Wow. The nurse who cared for Linda the first time she was hospitalized, Sherry Bundy, stated that when she found out Linda had passed away the next day, mm-hmm. like that, the 10th? Yeah. She immediately thought two things. The first was that Paul was finally successful in killing her. Oh, wow. And the second was that somewhere along the way, someone dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, I guess in regards to, like, overall saving her life. Or, like, further investigating, like, like what was going not on. Not necessarily the first responders, because it was probably too late at that point. But, like, overall, like, it slipped through the cracks. Like, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her mm-hmm. they couldn't pin it on him like right right just overall like she was dealt a crappy hand and right. like they just couldn't figure it out in time yeah that's so sad so at the time of her unexpected death she was 50 years old oh my God. generally pretty healthy before she met him so she was a non-smoker which is pretty important Linda's cause of death was massive acute nicotine poisoning. What? And she wasn't a smoker? Mm-hmm. Can you get nicotine anywhere else from but cigarettes? Mm-hmm. Can you? No. Oh, no. Well, well the actual I mean, plant. There's a plant? You are from Lutcher, Louisiana. I know you did not just ask me that. Nicotine comes from a plant? Tobacco. Wait. Oh. I'm ashamed. <laughs> Literally, y'all, Ariel's high school dance team, they're called the Periquettes. Mm-hmm. What, can, you, can you explain what that is? Perique? Perique tobacco. <laughs> Thank you. I ought to smack you. Blonde moment. <laughs> um, her autopsy showed lethal amounts of nicotine in her system, as well as a deadly amount of Ambien. Hmm. Sleeping, so, sleeping pill, right? So, according to WebMD, um, uh, Ambien is used to treat insomnia, mm-hmm. and it belongs to a class of drugs called sedative hypnotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it acts on your brain to produce a calming effect, and some of its side effects are sleepiness during the day or dizziness, and some of the more serious but unlikely side effects are memory loss, behavior change, uh, thoughts of suicide, hallucinations, confusion, agitation, oh my God. aggressive behavior, anxiety, and depression. I think I'll just deal with insomnia at that point. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't know. Yeah, that's like but those I commercials, have, like, may cause death. <laughs> what are my chances? Right. Like, and I have talked to people who, like, have been on Ambien before, and they said, like, 
if you take it but you're not actually like ready to go to bed and like you fight it like the sleepiness mm-hmm. or whatever you like get like loopy and like weird, yeah um like, on webmd it said like you, you have to take it like 30 minutes before you're like actually going to sleep right um yeah uh, no thanks right so in addition to the toxicology there was also a mark located behind her right ear consistent with a needle puncture, which showed hemorrhaging. Hmm. Um, medical opinions vary on the level of toxicity for nicotine. It's estimated that between 40 milligrams and 60 milligrams is a lethal dose for a human adult. Depending on the type and or brand of cigarettes, there could be anywhere from 240 milligrams to 300 milligrams of nicotine in the entire pack. Wait, 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 wait. According to healthline.org, on average, a smoker will inhale approximately one milligram per cigarette. So they don't get, um, what was it? I think it was like, like eight to 12 or 12 to 20 or whatever it is, um, in each cigarette, but you don't actually get all of it. Oh, right. So like. One milligram. Yeah. You like ever, like when, I mean, it's burning. So like. Yeah. Do we know? What her level Mm-mm. was, I didn't say. I couldn't find her on top here. I mean, this was a really old case. There was I mean, lot. obviously, it was more than And she was a thin 40. lady, like, so I don't know. If, I mean, I'm sure that had a lot to do with, like, her tolerance. Oh, right. But this just proves that even if Linda was a smoker, it would have been impossible for her to die that quickly just from smoking cigarettes. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think you can chain smoke and, and be that exposed to it. Right. Yeah, I know several people who smoked like a chimney. And they're still here. Yeah. So, after the autopsy was conducted, the manner of her death was classified as a homicide. However, they could not link it to Paul. Yeah, but was there any other, like, suspects? Probably not. No. Like, who else would want her death? Like, they couldn't connect it to anything. To anybody. Like, homicide? uh, We don't know. Yeah, like, how do you poison somebody? But her, so her... How do, you even, how do you even poison somebody with nicotine anyway? Like, I don't even know how you would go about that. I don't that. know. Like, I kind of have, like, suspicions. Like, he kept giving her a bath. Because you, can, you can ingest it, you could inject it, and you can absorb it. Through, like, your pores? Yes. So, I don't know if he was putting it in her bath. Oh, yeah. And the hot water makes your pores open up. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that nicotine has a very bitter taste. So, if she was ingesting it, she probably would have noticed the, the taste. Like, he was making those salads. Yeah, but that puncture woman behind her ear. Oh, yeah. She was definitely injected. But, like, before, when she was being hospitalized, mm-hmm. how was she being exposed to it? Right. Um, you know, he, he always made these elaborate salad dressings, but he maybe not have been putting nicotine in it, but he may have been putting Ambien. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean... If she was being sick for 21 days, had she been exposed via bubble bath to the nicotine? Um, Then you didn't come across that? mm -mm. They don't don't know? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. It kind of like, her case kind of like slowed down. Well, yeah. I mean, if you can't, like, you can have your suspicions, but... Like... You can think that it was her her husband, but you can't prove it. Which, I'm going to get into that. Like, they were, they were lucky... Because they couldn't link Paul. I'm going to get into it. Anyways, after Linda was laid to rest and Paul was awarded the insurance payouts, he moved jobs and more lies were discovered on his resume. Mm. Paul had no college degree. 
and he was not an engineer. Yet he, he was training people. He was purporting himself to be a a nuclear a nuclear yes. engineer. So, oh my god! But he was training engineers. How are you training people when you don't have the training yourself? Right. I mean, he I mean, he was really smart. So like, but. And most times, people who are smart like that are very manipulative, manipulative and like cunning, and uh-huh. can like convince people mm-hmm. of anything. Like Jeffrey Epstein was like that. He yeah. was like super smart, and he actually kind of lied like that too. Like he lied about having a college degree, and he was teaching. <laughs> anyway, just know. So, once his newest web of lies was uncovered, his boss Mike Flower called him up told him, look, hey, I'm going to be at the office at 8 o'clock tomorrow, and you will be fired unless you submit your resignation before then. Oh, wow. And when his boss went to the office, his um, Paul's resignation was on the fax machine. See, and... Like, I loophole, hate, loophole. I hate when... They give you the option. They give you the option to resign instead of being fired. Then, because if you're fired, that's bad. Like, that follows you. Yeah, per personnel records. Like, right. he was... He resigned. He didn't. He wasn't terminated. Right. Um, despite receiving so much money from Linda's passing, Paul let the house go into foreclosure. It was a really nice house. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to Salina, Kansas. And he conned his way into a new job as a building inspector. I can't with this dude. Mm-hmm. Years passed with no progress in Linda's murder investigation. That is until 2002 when Detective Yvonne Scholl who was assigned to the cold case unit, inherited Linda's case from a retiring detective. Yes. Lady Mm. detective. Girl power. Detective Scholl dug deep into Paul Curry's background, which resulted in her discovering that everything about him was a lie. In 2007, she had uncovered enough about him to present it to the Orange County District Attorney's Office. So, like, four almost or five years. Yeah. Like, she reopened it in 2002. Yeah. And she, she worked him for four years, for almost five years. Okay, let me tell you one thing. When a woman spends that much time... She got you locked up, dude. Right, like when, when she spent that much time to get to know you, she's coming in hot. Yes. With, I'm talking a PowerPoint. And I'm not even done. Like I'm the, talking like PowerPoint, laser pointer. <laughs> color code system. <laughs> right. So Exhibit A. <laughs> At the time of Linda's untimely death, Ibrahim Beitai was still in law school. Mm-hmm. But years later, Linda's murder case would land on his desk. Oh, wow. Um, at this point, it had already been 13 years since her death. Wow. And it would be another three before some major moves would be made. Wow. Beitai was also extremely impressed that detectives audio recorded their interviews with the then hospitalized Linda Curry. During this time, ADA, he's an assistant district attorney. Oh, wow. Yeah. ADA Beitai reached out to nicotine expert and professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, Dr. Neil Benowitz. Hmm. At the time of Linda's death, they didn't have the professional opinion of a nicotine expert. Um, I don't know if it was a thing. I don't know if they had... Maybe they didn't think that, re- that existed, resource, yeah. right? But now they did. And Dr. Benowitz stated that with the amount of nicotine that was in Linda's body, she had to have died 20 to 30 minutes after being injected. Wow. 
in t- 2010. So, okay. So, yeah, that would be three years after. After she had enough to yeah, bring it to the DA. To um, Detective Scholl tracked Paul down to Salina, Kansas, where he was living a new life. He was married yet again and had a son with his new wife. Oh, my gosh. You have not learned your lesson, sucker. Well, he's apparently just, like, really charming, and he can, like, just con all these women into, like, He believing. ain't all that. <laughs> he's not. Like, I read an article, and they called him semi-handsome. I was like... In an article. In an article, I was like, damn, like, y'all so savage out handsome. here. Like, <clears throat> just not even comp. That's backhanded as yeah. F. So. Simone. <laughs> I was like, ooh, they went in on him. And I, that's a stretch. So, Betai and Shoal knew that Paul would not cooperate with them if they told him that they were from Orange County. So they lied and told him that they were local detectives to convince him that they didn't know about his past. Because she was from... They were both from Orange County. Oh, okay. But they traveled to Kansas right, to... Right. No, like, Linda was... Linda's... Linda yeah, died that's where it happened, yes. Okay. The OC. <laughs> so Salina police, along with Betai and Shoal, informed Paul that Orange County police was trying to close out a death investigation and that they had a few questions mm-hmm. so at this point paul thought he was in control of the interview of like, course he did like, he thought he was a sly dog like yeah. narcissist yes. 101 um detective Scholl, who introduced herself as marie mm-hmm. began interviewing him and locked him into his story that he stood by for uh stood by for so many years and she did that so it would be impossible for him to back out of it like yeah um He's like, seen, so this is what you're saying yeah. happened. Oh, after all these years, you st- yeah. So um, once Detective Scholl boxed him in, sh- which the main, what they showed in the interview was basically her asking, okay, so you and Linda were the only ones at your house. Oh. How long were y'all there? Oh, six or seven hours before she died. Okay, so it was just you two. Yes. All right, cool. So once she boxed him, boxed him in, she tells him that she believes that Linda, Linda's illnesses and death were done at the hands of him. And then she reads him his rights, and he asks if he's being arrested. Um, the reason she boxed him in was because of what the nicotine expert said 20 that to twenty minutes. to thirty minutes that that window is the the leg that they stood on in court. Basically, like he waited to call because, and this is what I was going to say earlier. They couldn't, there was no evidence linking him directly to purchasing tobacco, and there was no evidence directly linking him to administering the tobacco. There was no syringe on scene. Mm. There was no tobacco on scene. Well, yeah, he had six or seven hours to get rid of it. Well, no, 20 or 30. Um. 20 or 30 minutes. He administered it, and then she died. Well, wait, he said, oh, but he said it was six he to said, seven hours. No, he said that they had been al- home alone for six to seven hours. Oh. So it couldn't have possibly been anybody else. Oh, I got you. No, I was just saying, like, he had that amount of time to get rid of everything. Like, well, he said he woke up because the cat was making a noise, and he checked on her. And she, like, from what I've read and, like, kind of what how I interpreted things, I don't think that... She was dead for hours. Oh, like I gotcha. think it was kind of like because he they he they they tried to give her CPR. If she was you. cold, yeah, yeah. they well, you know. See, and I guess I was just thinking like he might have waited to make mm-hmm. sure she was yeah. really dead. You know. 
So Detective Scholl continues to ask him questions, and he even makes a smart comment about not making his meeting as scheduled later that afternoon. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to reschedule that, buddy. I'm sorry, did you have a building to inspect, sir? You fraudulent. You shouldn't be inspecting buildings. So Detective Scholl then tells him that he is not free to leave. (laughs) So on November 9th, 2010, Paul Curry is finally arrested for the murder of his wife. A long time coming. Um, as well as insurance fraud. Oh, nice. <laughs> Your little accountant heart's loving that. It is. So, Detective Scholl then reveals her identity to Paul, which was cutthroat, I'm not even going to lie. She, like, pulls out her badge, and she's like, my middle name's Marie. Because, <laughs> like, that was her little alias that she gave him. Yeah. Um, but 16 years after his wife's murder, and he is finally being, beginning to be held accountable mm-hmm. and but this is only the beginning like oh god i mean i don't know how much left but i mean after 16, 16 years, years he probably thought he was it was like, another four oh, wow. before trial wow he probably thought he was like golden after, after 16, 16 years, years yeah, yeah he probably thought he was in the clear so um one day after his arrest he phones his wife and tells her that he's been arrested and <laughs> i actually have the phone call recording from the from jail that he made, so I'm gonna play it. It's a little over two minutes. Okay. Um, the quality sucks, so. Hey, I'm in trouble. I'm under arrest and in jail. Tell me what's going on. I don't understand. I'm in big trouble. They want to take me back to California. Okay. What do you want me to do? Just be strong. I'm so ashamed about the position I put you in. Don't, 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 don't spend a nickel on anything except you. Because whatever happens here, I mean, I've already lost my job. They, they laid out a bunch of stuff. They got stuff and everything. I, I tell you, it, it looks bad. I mean, other than the fact that there's no physical evidence saying I did it, I didn't do it. They, they, they could put me away to prison. So I, you need to conserve everything you have. Take care of yourself and your son, my son. What are they supposed to extradite? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I'm kind of woozy. I got to sleep last night. I slept on cold concrete until about three in the morning. And uh, it's freezing out there. I'm wearing two t-shirts. Um, you have to take care of you. I, mean, I don't know what's going to happen. But you need to take care of you, even if it's with someone. And I don't want you out there spending all your money. And you're not going to hire an attorney. I'll go public defender. Oh no! Yes. Oh please. I don't understand any of this. I don't. I don't know what to do. I don't understand. I can't do anything. Look, they're serious about this. All of a sudden, twenty years later. I just don't know where to go from right now. 
I don't know. I, I got like, I got a house full of stuff. I don't know where to go. Well, he seems slick. Mm-hmm. Like, he did go public defender. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's all about money. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to, I want you to spend money on yourself. I don't Conserve want you to spend. Conserve it. Yeah, I don't want you to spend money on a lawyer. A dime or a public or nickel defender. Or whatever yeah. Hmm. Um... So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you guys can hear it. And yeah, um, it is bad quality. I can hear most of it, but there are some parts when I was like, I have no idea what he said. Yeah. Um. But during Paul Curry's trial, prosecutors were unsure that they would get a conviction. Like this was not one of those slam dunk. No, cases. it was like very circumstantial. Yes. And there was no, like I said, there was no evidence directly linking Paul to the nicotine. Um. There was there was no nicotine or syringe located at the Curry home the night of her death, and if and if there was a twenty to thirty minute window, like yeah, you know it doesn't look good. It, yeah. I mean, and I don't I didn't read this anywhere, and maybe they didn't offer it, but like if he knew how bad it was in that phone call, and he's like it looks really bad, they laid it all out for me. Like why wouldn't he take a plea deal? Mm-hmm. But if but they like they said it wasn't like a slam dunk case, so. Mm-hmm. I feel like why is he saying that like why is he what are they like what did they tell him right um or like or maybe he's like making it seem worse than it is to his wife i don't know because i feel like if it was that bad like he said it was like they got it all this on me i might as well bargain right but why would the da and the prosecutors offer a bargain if they barely had anything exactly i don't know did they not Bargain? No. Oh, okay. The trial. So. Paul's public defender, Lisa, Cop- Lisa Koppelman, uh, she tried to argue Linda's medical history, stating that she had a history of gastrointestinal issues before she was married to Paul. Hmm. Um, the defense also argued that Linda sometimes took a more holistic approach, stating Linda gave herself a nicotine enema, which was said to treat irritable bowel syndrome. What? What a stretch. Okay, one, an enema doesn't sound good in, in, like, in any capacity. Uh-huh. Two, especially not a nicotine enema. Yeah. Like, does that even exist? Like, is that even a thing? That, that I read that it said something about irritable bowel syndrome, but, like, like, I don't want, if I have irritable bowel syndrome, I don't want to put anything up there. Exactly. Like, it would just make it worse. But she did, like, I think she told one of her doctors, or maybe... Paul, like, she, at one point she had taken Chinese herbs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's that's a jump. But um, they even argued that Linda committed suicide hmm. due to constantly being miserable. Because, like, she was in so much yeah. pain. and I mean, IBS is nothing to, like, balk at. Like, that is terrible. Yeah, but she didn't have IBS. No, I'm just saying. like, I mean, she may have, but, like, in a, like all of her symptoms from the nicotine poisoning made oh. her so miserable. So apparently a nicotine enema is like smoke. Oh, it's not like it's liquid. Like smoke, I think, yeah. Oh god. That still sounds horrible. Awful. So even if this was remotely possible, 
how does one explain the toxic levels of Ambien? Yeah, true. <laughs> Paul Curry chose not to take the stand during his trial, but there was a rather important key witness that played a big role in his trial. His former wife, Leslie Curry. Ooh. Yeah. The plot thickens. Women unite. <laughs> Um, Leslie Curry testified that she was frequently sick during their marriage. What? She also testified that Paul suggested that they sign up for life insurance policies. She did just that. And not long after applying for life insurance, she was denied. Because she was sick, maybe? Um, they said something about Lyme disease. Like, he suggested, like, so she had to send in blood work. Mm. And the blood, like, after they got that, they denied her. But I guess if she was ill yeah, yeah. um the couple separated shortly after she was rejected and she, after because this, he he couldn't get anything out of her. yeah oh my and God. then after they split her health drastically improved i'm sorry that's not a coincidence no it's not he was clearly was she, did she have like the same type of symptoms do you um, know or? i think she had like the nausea yeah but oh like in i want to say maybe the ADA's opening arguments or closing arguments, he basically told the jury, like, Paul Curry saw his wife as a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Dollar signs, that's it. Cha-ching. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Mr. Nuclear Engineer. <laughs> yeah. Air quotes, nuclear engineer. So on September 30th, 2014, after a day and a half of deliberation, Paul Curry was convicted of first-degree murder with the special circumstance allegations of murder for financial gain, murder by poisoning, and insurance fraud. Hallelujah. Wait, is special circumstance, is that what allows him to seek the death penalty? No, this was life imprisonment. Oh, okay. Um, initially, I thought the insurance fraud charge came from the life insurance, mm-hmm. but it stemmed from something completely different. What? Mm-hmm. Um... Apparently, Linda owned an 18-karat gold ladies' presidential Rolex watch. And after Linda's death, Paul gave it to Linda's sister, Patricia. Mm -hmm. On June 12th, just two days after her death, Paul reports it stolen, along with other jewelry, and files a claim with his homeowner's insurance. Or Linda's homeowner's insurance, I should say. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, Linda hasn't even been laid to rest yet. She's not even cold yet. Her her funeral was June 14th. So, June 10th, she died. June 12th, he... Made the claim. Yes, and June 14th was her funeral. He collected over $9,000 in insurance money from that claim. Turns out that Paul gifted the watch to Patricia as a bribe to get her to sign over all of the life insurance policies to him. And when the bribe didn't work, he reported the jewelry stolen. So he never got a life insurance policy because they were still, her sister was the beneficiary? We'll get to that. So on November 14th, 2014, Paul was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. When the judge handed down his sentence, he showed no emotion. Paul didn't? Nope. In a witness impact statement, Linda's niece, Ricky Ann Rycraft, stated that Linda's family never liked him. She also expressed that Linda's family had zero doubt that Paul was the killer. Ricky Ann expressed what it was like to watch her aunt grow weaker and slowly die, saying, quote, We know that Linda was slowly poisoned. He tortured her, end quote. 
so sad. So it's obvious that the motive in this murder was financial gain. Yeah. It was said that the day after Linder's funeral, Paul began applying for life insurance payouts. Oh my god. Little well, did I mean, he... he's filing, you know, insurance claims for stolen jewelry. That wasn't stolen. That wasn't even really stolen. The two days after she died. And the detective show, she caught him in lies. Like, she had pictures of the watches, and he's like, no, that's not the watch I claimed. I claimed my watch. But, like, their serial number, like, Rolexes are not cheap. Right. And he, I mean, he and, lied. And, he, and, and if you file a claim, there's paperwork to say mm-hmm. what you claimed, yeah. you idiot. And he said that it was a bad decision. A poor decision. Yeah, so was killing your wife. Right. So, um, little did he know that Linda made her sister the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Linda drafted a handwritten letter granting her sister half of her estate. Wow. Paul thought he was going to get a million dollars. Um, but he did get something. She did leave him the house, which was hers. Like, I think. Yeah, and then he let it go into foreclosure. Mm-hmm. And then she also left him close to half a million dollars just so he would be okay. Wow. So even in her death, like, she was loyal. And, you know, she, I wonder if she, like, thought that eventually, like, she really began to think, like, hey, maybe he is, like, doing this. Maybe he's the one making me sick. You know? Love is blind. Love yeah. is really blind. Love don't even have eyeballs. <laughs> like, it's beyond blind. It yeah. never came with eyeballs. Oh, my God. So, Paul filed appeals with the insurance companies, which resulted in him collecting more than $547,000 in payouts. How? Uh, I don't know. He also received a little over $500 a month from Southern California Edison, which mm-hmm. was her employer at the time of her like death. Like her retirement? Yeah. It was, retirement? it was retirement benefits. Oh, my God. And six months after her death, he had already bought himself a new Cadillac. Oh, God. I'm surprised he waited that long. Um... The only information I have regarding Paul Curry's, um, I guess, the status of his case or whatever, um, is that he is appealing it, but he hasn't, he's either hasn't filed his appeal yet or those documents have not been made public. Which, I mean, I figured everybody appeals, like. Right. Unless you, unless you have, like, a plea deal where you're not allowed to. Um, there was some talk about, like, due process and. Um, right, what is it, right, right to, to a speedy, speedy trial. trial? Is that what, the Fifth Amendment, I think? I think so. And there's... Or fourth Amendment? No, no fifth, fifth Amendment fifth. is right to be... It's the Fifth, but, like, because I read it in, in my research, but, like, apparently, like, they tried to say it took them too long to arrest him. And so, like, I mean, hmm. maybe you, uh, shouldn't kill your wife. Right. So basically, no. The oh, it is part of. So the fifth amount, the fifth amendment prohibits self-incrimination and double jeopardy and mandates due process. So it basically is the legal requirement that state must respect all legal rights that are owed to a person. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. It due process balances the power of the law of the land and protects the individual person from it. Um, but that's basically their main argument, and I think that's what they're kind of standing on when they file his appeal, mm-hmm. is that, like, he didn't have right to a speedy trial, uh, because you were laying so, like, you are a con man. 
Right. Like, you did not expect to get caught. Right. Yeah, but even between, like, him getting arrested and the trial was, like, what, four years? Mm-hmm. So that's a long time. Um, a lot of that, I think, has to do with... Um, but, I mean, you can waive that, right, to a speedy trial. I mean, the the in the Roden family murders, mm-hmm. um, the Wagners, they all have waived that right to a speedy trial. So they, they want the long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, the way it usually works is you have, like, three steps in a trial process. Or before trial, you have PE, which is preliminary examination, mm-hmm. um, where the, you submit. Discovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, the second is motion to suppress, so that's where you try and throw stuff throw out. Throw stuff out, yeah. And then the third is trial. Mm-hmm. But, I mean. I guess trial has two parts, like the guilty, innocent part of it, and then and the, the sentencing, sentencing part of it. The- sometimes that's spaced out. Sometimes it's the same week. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say, I mean, like, we had the officer ambush case that happened in 2012, mm-hmm. and they just got convicted. Like, it, they just went to trial in February. Oh, yeah, that's true. So that was, like, six and a half, seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. You went so long without being held accountable. How can you expect a speedy trial? Exactly. I mean, unless you just want to go to jail without fighting for it, you know? Yeah. Um, but in closing, Linda's friends believe that Linda stayed in her marriage because she didn't want to admit any failure. I feel that. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I can, I think I can, yeah, understand like how somebody would feel that way, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, when you, you know, you, you get married and you say your vows in front of God and everybody, and like you, you know, you're supposed to the government, the you got the government involved, like you know, but like even like going forty five years without yeah. being married, like she wanted that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are your opinions? That's just, I would love to know, like, how he was doing it. Because, like... Yeah. Obviously, I think he injected her, like, at the end to kill her. Yeah. But, like, leading up to it. Leading up to it, like, how was he... I'm thinking it's got to be either in a combination of, like, he was mixing something in her food or, like, in the tub. Because, like, you know, you're running a hot bath Mm -hmm. and it can seep into your pores. And, like, if... Y'all don't be getting no ideas because it didn't come from me. But my creative brain started, you know, trying to figure out and dissect how he he made it happen. And, I mean, he could have easily bought a pack of cigarettes, cut them open, Mm -hmm. and, like, I mean, just like you make a a pot of tea. Yeah. You know? He could have boiled it, extracted it, filtered it. Right. And then just poured it straight into her bath water, huh? I guess so, yeah. I didn't even think about that criminal mastermind over here i mean i whatever <laughs> and then like i'm sure the injection part was probably the concentrate i wonder if like he but without was, the bath water i wonder if he was trying to like slowly poison her and you know and then it wasn't working fast enough so then he's like screw it i'm just gonna inject her yeah. and get it over with mm-hmm. you know yeah i don't know but this case really breaks my heart. Like, I feel like she wanted someone to love her and just wanted to have a successful marriage right. with a lifelong partner. I mean, that's... I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like that's Everybody, what a lot of people yeah, want. Yeah, and... Well, if not everybody. Sadly, she was taken advantage of um, mm-hmm. by someone she trusted. You know, he was truly a monster. Like, yeah. he was a monster. Like, 
a slick monster. Like, you know, he, it wasn't violent, but it was... Wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes, and it was orchestrated and, yeah. like... Um, Criminal mastermind. And I, I feel like he saw her weakness and love as a... I mean, her kindness and love as a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And she was loyal to him. up until, I mean, up until the second she died, could you imagine she's literally taking her last breaths and he's next to her being loving and supportive and and that's yeah. what she thinks she, he is yeah. um there is a special place in hell for him yeah seriously um but i think the best part of this whole case to me is that he probably thought he was in the clear oh yeah and they i'm did. sure I yeah mean, it had been 16 years i'm sure he was just like living his life like i really did this mm-hmm he got away with it he thought and I'm like truly disgusted that like he did get away with it for so long and like he was free and he didn't deserve to be a free man no no I mean he sentenced her to death I mean yeah he killed her like that's I don't know that huh what a roller coaster yeah like what he is truly a piece of work yeah and I would say another word, but, you know, we try to... Trash. We it's try, a trash. We try to be a family-friendly <laughs> podcast. As family-friendly as a podcast about murder can be. Right. Ugh. Well, I know. Anyway, so that's the case of the murder of Linda Curry. Um, if you guys, like we said last week, go join our group. We're going to post the discussion thread in there. Um, you can let us know what you think or... You know, what you feel, if you agree with us, you know, if you think he did it, if you think he didn't do it. Or uh, what, how you think Or how you think, yeah, 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 how you think he did it. Um, yeah, just, um, we like to have a open discussion, you know, about the cases that we do. Yeah, get so, at us. Yeah, let us know. Bye. Thank you for listening to Homicide Homegirls. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to our Facebook page and leave us a review or rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you want to be the first to know when an episode is released, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at facebook.com slash Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at Homegirls Pod. If you would like to suggest an episode, Use the form located on our Facebook page. Once a month, we plan to answer fan-submitted questions in a segment we like to call hashtag AskTheHomeGirls. So be sure to use the form on our Facebook page to submit your questions.